0: Good morning. If you haven't yet taken your seat, can I encourage you to come and take a seat? Welcome to Christchurch on this glorious, sunny November day. It is lovely to see so many of you with us this morning. And welcome to you, especially if it's your first time today. You are extremely welcome. Um, And at the end of the service, we have a welcome zone, uh, which we'd love you to come to and uh, get to know us more, so that we can get to know you more as well. If you're joining us online as well, welcome to you. Thank you for joining us. And if you're watching uh, back later, welcome to you as well. Uh, We're going to have a time of worship in a moment, um, led by uh, Rob and the team here at the front. Can I encourage you during the time of worship to seek God of what He's saying to you and what He's saying to us? If you feel you have a word to share today, then please come to the front to find me. If you feel um, there's a scripture in your heart that you want to share, please come and share that. And can I encourage you also to allow yourself to enjoy worship this morning? And what I mean by that is it's been not long since we've not been allowed to sing, and now we can sing. So let's sing with with our loudest voices. Let's sing unashamed this morning. And I also want to encourage you today, if you feel like you want to get up and dance, get up and dance. If you want to get out of where you're standing, that's fine too. So during this time of worship, if you feel God's got something for you to share with us, please come to me at the front. We're also going to uh, have a time of uh, communion during worship as well, and I'll let you know when we're going to do that. And then Jenny's going to to, uh, continue our series on Corinthians today. So can I encourage you to stand, please, ready for worship? Let's get our hearts right before God. And I just want to share with you um, a verse in the Psalms, which uh, God really spoke to me this morning about, and I just feel like it's a word for us today. And it says in Psalm 16, verse 11, It says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And I feel that's for us today. Let's come into his presence this morning because there is fullness of joy. That's an invitation for us to seek God's presence this morning, to just press into him in worship. So I'm going to pray and I'll hand over to Rob. Yeah, Father, we thank you for the privilege it is to come before you today. Every day, in fact, we just thank you that we can come and gather this morning as a body of believers and come into your presence. Lord, help us to seek you this morning, Lord. Help us to press into you. I pray, God, your spirit would fall on us afresh today and that we would know that fullness of joy as we come into your presence. Father God, I pray you would meet with us as we seek you. Father God, may we be in awe of who you are today. We just thank you for what a glorious God you are and how much you love us. We just thank you that as we come to you, we know there is joy. I pray God fill us with that joy today. Amen.
1: heartless sacrifice, Jesus. As I come to communion, Lord, I bow my knee to your greatness. I bow my knee to your forgiveness. God the Lord most high Hidden glory in creation Now reviewed in you are Christ What a beautiful name it is What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus Christ, my King, what a beautiful name it is! Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is—the name of Jesus. Verse two. We didn't want heaven. could say.
0: worshiping, but we're going to take communion now. Um, Can I ask the team who are going to hand out the communion to come to the tables? Uh, We've got four tables with the communion set up around the room. There's one here at the front, my left, your right, which has got some gluten-free bread if you need it. Um, Rob's going to lead us in another song as um, I invite you to come forward. Can I ask you to come and collect your communion um, and then bring it back to your, your place, but just hold on to it and then we'll share it together. So we're going to sing through a song as we come and collect our communion and then um, I'll come back up again and we'll share it together. But just while Rob's preparing, Father God, I thank you for the privilege it is to come to you in worship and to gather together to take communion as you have uh, asked us to in remembrance of you. So Father God, help us to um, set our hearts right before you as we come to this time of communion. I pray God you would just uh, remind us of anything we need to bring to you now. And know that you are quick to forgive because your love is unconditional. I just pray, God, you'd help us to prepare our hearts as we come before you and remember all that you have done and all that you continue to do in us. And we thank you for your Son who went to the cross for us. Amen. So I can invite you to come uh, to one of the stations to collect the communion as we sing another song.
1: your majesty covered by your grace so free
0: says in Matthew, this is while they're eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's take the bread and the wine together now. And let's just take a moment to pray and thank God for sending Jesus to be our body, to be our place. And let's thank God that his blood was for our forgiveness. There is nothing that he has not forgiven you for. And there's nothing that he can't forgive you for in the future. So let's just spend a few moments reflecting on that. Yes, so we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to come in our place, to die on the cross, for all that we have done wrong. We thank you, Jesus, you were the perfect sacrifice. You've done nothing wrong, and yet you put yourself in our place out of your love for us. And we thank you that by your blood shed, we have been forgiven. We thank you that we can share in this reminder together as a, as a church and remember all that you did for us. We thank you, Jesus, you rose again and that you are now seated on high with God the Father in heaven. We thank you that you are still praying for us. You are still interceding for us. You've poured out your spirit for us. We thank you. Amen. Amen. I'm going kind to of invite you to stand and as we continue to worship. But before we sing the next song, can I just ask um, Andy and um, Anna had a word just to share for us, so if we invite them up. But let's let's stand as we receive these words
2: good morning church good morning. Um, just sort of following on from psalm 16 that rob brought right at the beginning when we were praying i just felt i was drawn to romans 15 it says may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And I just felt God say, we so often get bogged down in our troubles and our struggles. And that's not to belittle them. They're real and there is no promise that there will be any avoidance of troubles in a Christian walk. But we have a hope that is a sure and certain hope and is bigger than anything that we face. No matter how difficult that may be. And we can celebrate... And be joyful. Peace, joy and righteousness is ours because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is such a witness to everybody around us. We are a people who can be joyful in our struggles because of the glory of the Jesus Christ sacrifice. Hallelujah to his name.
3: Yeah, along that line actually I had a picture of someone who was like kneeling down on the floor and they were just so tired and they were sort of crying out saying, I just can't do it. I'm just not strong enough. And I felt God remind me of this verse in Psalm 103. It says, For God knows our frame, and God remembers that we are dust. You know, God knows that we are not strong, and he knows that when we're left to our own devices, we are really weak. And we know that when we're really honest as well. But actually, he has come and saved us. He has set us free. He has given us his Holy Spirit where we are weak, He is strong. He is our strength. I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know what your week has been like. I've probably had about eight moments this week where I've genuinely thought, oh my goodness, I can't survive this week. But actually, the Lord Jesus is strong enough. He is our strength. If you're really weak this morning, that is great, because the Holy Spirit is here to make you strong, to strengthen you, and he's teaching you to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit that's how we're supposed to walk as believers. We're not supposed to be absolutely exhausted all the time. We're supposed to rely on the strength of God. He's with us all the time. So as we stand and worship, should we just pray before we worship and just give ourselves to God? You know, we live in a society that says if you spend enough time just believing that you're strong enough, you're strong enough, you're not. That's a lie. You need the Holy Spirit to walk with Jesus. So should we just pray? And then Rob's going to lead us in worship lord jesus we thank you that you remember our frame that you know that we are dust you know lord jesus when we're crushed and compre- and compressed that on our own we are not strong enough and we break but lord jesus we thank you that you have given us your holy spirit you haven't left us alone that where we are weak you are strong what a wonderful testimony of our lives to know that we are not strong enough without you but your holy spirit strengthens us encourages us. We can go through things and look back on them and think, I can't believe I survived that. But it's all because of the power of the Holy Spirit. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is working in us. Amen.
1: your grace so oh. Just as I am.
4: From this morning on Psalm 31. And just as waiting to hear what words were brought, and those wonderful words from, from Andy and from Anna just seem to click so well with this. And I'd like to just pray the first few sections of Psalm 31 for us all to first pray that. To, and I want us to think about this. This is written by a wife-stealing, murderous, rebellious adulterer. David, who turned to the Lord for forgiveness and restoration, and he was restored because of his humility and a heart that pursued a merciful Father, our Father. So as we stand and sit here this morning, whatever we're feeling inside, whether it's the things we've done right or the things we've done wrong, let's lay those aside and just remember Christ crucified is why we're here, we're called by the Father. In our church, let's pray this together. In you, O Lord, do we take refuge. Let us never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver us. Incline your ear to us. Rescue us speedily. Be a rock of refuge for us. A strong fortress to save us. For you are our rock and our fortress for your name's sake you lead us and guide us you take us out of the net that is hidden for us for you are our refuge into your hand we commit our spirit you have redeemed us O Lord faithful God I hate the sin that pays regard to worthless idols but I trust in the Lord we will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen our affliction, you have known the distress of our souls, and you have delivered us from the hand of the enemy. You have set our feet in a broad place. But we trust in you, O Lord. We say you are our God, and our times are in your hands. In Jesus' merciful name, amen.
0: children thank you for your patience with us and joining us in our worship it's time for the children to go out and let's continue worshiping let's sing this again
1: to do some breaking of chains really felt that that passage in the new testament the throwaway line and the veil was torn in two you know for years if you look in the old testament god was carried around in a box then they put the box in a temple that they built surrounded it with a holy place and a massive veil that was over a hundred feet wide, that was up to 60 feet wide. It was as thick as a yellow pages, if you can remember one of those. Two powerful stallions with ropes could not tear that veil in two. Only the priest once a year could go in. He had a bell on his leg, he had a rope, and if it went silent, the other priest yanked him out. It was holy. It was a holy place, yet in the New Testament, Says that Christ died on the cross, the veil was torn in two, which means we now have Christ living in us. He doesn't live in a temple, doesn't live in a box. He lives in us, and if he lives in us, he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. He's the waymaker. He's the restorer. He's the deliverer of all. Sing that waymaker. maker on her, just quickly, and we're going to sing that verse over her through to her husband for Owen and Catherine, and we're going to pr- believe what they're out there doing is going to bring light in the darkness, because that's who God is. So let's prophesy this song over. We make a miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. Yeah see the hearts of many pouring out their hearts to me in the darkness But I bring light I bring a restoration I bring a healing power I bring life big changing situations into hearts. To it from heaven but I'm also with you
5: by my Holy
1: Spirit that I left for you I keep my promises I keep my favors I keep my word for I am true I keep all my promises that I've held for you here in my heart so that one day they'll be fulfilled by you because I am changing lives in this town today changing lives in this town tomorrow letting children know tonight they're not the widows I am putting moms and dads back together I am here for good I am lord of this town cause that is who I am 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 that is who I Put your feet upon ground, that's who I am. That is who I am
0: I just feel really stirred in my spirit that we need to pray for one another who are unwell. There's a number of people in the church who are unwell. Um, suffering from different uh, conditions, ailments, whether great or small. And I just feel it'd be great just to, as we worship, let's just pray for those that we know who are unwell. Um, Whether it's in your family, friends, in your life group, someone else in the church, let's just spend a few minutes just bringing those people before God. Let's name them and let's ask God to bring healing. Lord, we bring our friends before you now and say, Lord, bring healing. Father God, we ask that you would heal cancers right now in Jesus' name. We pray, God, you would heal heart conditions now in Jesus' name, Lord. Painful backs, Lord, we ask, Lord, that they would be well now in Jesus' name. We ask, Lord, for aches and pains to be gone, Lord. We ask, Lord, for colds and flu to be gone. We ask, Lord, for... um, Whatever, Lord, that people are carrying right now, Lord, physical ailments, conditions, or we ask that you would bring healing in Jesus' name as only you can. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I encourage you to take a seat. Thank you so much, Rob, and the team for leading us this morning. thank you for those who brought contributions. Uh, If you've joined us since the start, welcome. It's lovely to have you with us here in the building and also online at home. Uh, We'll have a welcome area at the back and encourage you to go to if it's your first time with us today. Uh, Firstly, um, offering. uh, Thank you. um, As we say every week, thank you so much for those who give regularly to the church and the work here. Um, We have boxes by the doors as you go out if you'd like to um, give towards the work here. We also um, have the bank details up on the screen as well. Um, Can I encourage you, if you don't already have a standing order set up, um, it's really helpful to us to have those standing orders and it's also great to to give that commitment to the church, isn't it, to give regularly. Um, Just think about some of the things that we do here as a church. And, and one of the things you probably don't think about is all the, all the technical things, all the, the hardware and the software that we use to um, even just display the things on the screen and to uh, produce videos. Uh, this week we were looking at new software for um, Owen to produce the videos and it's really expensive. Um, we got a great deal, but actually we need to pay for those things so that we can produce videos, so that we can put things online. So that's one area that your money goes towards. So thank you. Um, okay, notice is next week is baptisms, so the 28th, next Sunday, um, we have a bapti- uh, some baptisms here on Sunday morning, um, and uh, there's still time if you feel um, that you would like to be baptized, if you feel that's something that you'd like to respond to, because the word says believe and be baptized. So if you have not yet been baptized, um, can I encourage you to um, really consider it next week. Um, please come speak to me, or one of the other elders, um, or email the office as well. Uh, tonight, um, I don't think we have a slide for this. Oh, well, there we do. Oh, fantastic. Simply Worship. Um, we have our Simply Worship uh, regular here at church. Um, if you've not been to one before, it is pretty much what it says on the tin. It's Simply Worship. You know, we will just want to come and spend time in God's presence. Um, tonight's going to be slightly different. Um, we've had a prophetic word recently about um, a spirit of worship. And so we want to make space for that. And so tonight there will be literal space to come and dance there'll be um, resources to come and produce art uh, tonight so if you feel you want to come and not only sing or if you want to even just come and be quiet that's fine too but we want to make space to worship as a church in whatever way you feel comfortable perhaps you might even feel like you want to step out tonight in a different way so if you've never danced before in worship come tonight it's okay. Don't worry what anyone else thinks. If you feel stirred to come and um, paint something, draw something, come tonight. We'll um, make space for that. So that's here tonight at the church at 8pm. Um, okay, and then we've also, we were praying for Anna earlier but, and, and for Sai and for the team out in Kenya, but it'd be great just to spend some time praying now for Sai and for Owen and for Catherine, who are out in Kenya. Uh, if you don't know, they've gone out to lead a, a conference there with some of the churches and the church leaders that they work with in the Horn of Africa. Um, so it'd be really great if we can pray specifically for them in terms of uh, their protection, pray for the conference, so that it would be really um, a really powerful time for God. Um, and let's pray specifically for unity across the different leaders, um, because there's many leaders from different tribes and areas in that part of the world who are coming together. And so we want to pray that they would actually be able to uh, be united together, um, because uh, it's, I think it's the first time, if I'm right in saying this, that they've all come together uh, for quite a while. So it'd be great to pray for them. So um, let's just spend some time praying uh, for them. And let's also pray for um, Anna as well and the, and, and the children while size away. So let's just spend a few minutes praying. Yes, so we thank you um, for the privilege to stand with Sai and Catherine and Owen and Ken as well as they go out to minister to the church leaders over in Kenya. Lord, we just pray for an amazing time together. We pray, God, that you would speak powerfully through them as they uh, bring your word to them in different uh, sessions. We pray, God, you'd give them great wisdom um, as uh, different issues arise and different questions come out. I pray, God, you'd give them wisdom to support Uh, the leaders there father we do pray for your spirit of unity across them lord they are part of your global church as we are too and it's a wonderful privilege to stand with them and call them brothers and sisters in christ and we ask lord that you would bless them at this time that there will be a real sense of unity that they will be a uh, that they would just grasp a bigger picture of your wonderful church Uh, lord i just pray god that you would bring protection over the team i pray lord that they would have a fantastic time there, I pray, Lord, your protection as they bring them home. And we pray for Anna and the family, Lord, uh, while is away. We just pray again your protection over them this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Great, that's all from me. Um, Jenny's going to continue our um, series on Corinthians. So Let's welcome Jenny up today.
6: Am I on? I'm on. That's the worst bit, John. I'm actually, it's all set up and working. Give me a second, I'm going to. Everything's sorted out. Sorry, these uh, microphones are such a pain for ladies. Anna mentioned it last time, I, yeah, I should have worn trousers, I normally wear trousers, and there's nowhere to put you, and there's, your hair gets in the way, it's the it's right faff. So here we go. So uh, for those of you that don't know me, I am Jenny. Married to Chris, I'm on the leadership team here. I also do part-time admin, so if you're emailing the office, it's probably me you'll uh, get to chat to. So hello, if you don't know me. Um, I get to speak this morning on 2 Corinthians 11, so we're coming towards our um, quite long um, series on holy living in Sin City. We've just got a couple more chapters after today, um, and I'm looking at 2 Corinthians 11. So, we had a little break last week. Steve spoke on Paul boasting in the power of the cross, and um, that led perfectly into my passage. So, I was really pleased. If you haven't listened to Paul's preach, go back. If you're watching online, go back and catch up on me another time because he will be probably a lot better. <laughs> he was fantastic. But. If you remember, Paul, when we're looking at 2 Corinthians, has got this quite big dilemma. He's working through this letter, challenging some unhelpful, false teaching that snuck its way into the church in Corinth. If you'll remember, the church is quite a young church. Corinth itself is very pagan, very cosmopolitan, made up of lots of different religions, and the church itself almost reflected that. It was a new church made up of uh, lots of Jews that had turned to Jesus, lots of non-believers, of Gentiles, people that actually up until recently might have been worshipping these pagan idols, and they've understood and learnt about Jesus and how he's transformed their lives. So it's quite a young baby church, and And Paul comes back again. We've briefly looked at giving, but he's come back again to these so-called super apostles that he labels them very sarcastically. Sadly, no relation to Batman or Superman. But we see a side to Paul in this um, chapter that I think actually it doesn't always come across. And I've really enjoyed studying because actually I think it shows a real um, human side of Paul, one that we can often forget about we look at a letter that Paul's written 2,000-odd years ago, and it can be easy to feel detached from that and to sort of put him on a bit of a pedestal and think that he is a bit of a super apostle um, in a non-sarcastic term. So I think, actually, I am really enjoying looking at Paul's humanness in this passage, and that's what we're going to look at today. So we're going to read it, and there's lots in it. I've only picked out a few things. So if you've got your Bibles, 2 Corinthians 11. I'm going to read from the ESV. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy to you, since I betrothed you to one husband, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, Or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way, we have made this plain to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you may be exalted? Because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge. I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and in need, I did not burden anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not, uh, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the region of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. And what I am doing, I'll continue to do, in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in beside their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen disguising themselves as apostles of, of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds." I repeat, let no one think me foolish. But even if you do, accept me as a fool, so that I too may boast a little. What I'm saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. I shouldn't look up, I lost my place. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For if you bear... If you bear it, if someone makes slaves of you or devours you or take advantage of you or put on airs or strike you in the face, to my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. I love Paul's sarcasm there. We were too weak to come and beat you around. We were too weak to take advantage of you like these super apostles. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness. "'Danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, "'in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. "'And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for the churches. "'Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? "'If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness.' The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Aratus was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. That's quite a lot in that passage, isn't there? (laughs) So, as you can see, Paul here is almost embarrassed. He's having to defend himself and lower himself to this uh, level of these false teachers, these super apostles, and use his credentials, his qualifications as an apostle. He feels like he's lowering his standards. And these apostles, these super apostles, false teachers that Paul is talking about, clearly seem to be um, look impressive. They seem to come across as walking the walk and talking the talk. And yet, Paul says, their claims are not based on anything other than their own uh, assessments of themselves. They might seem a pros- a impressive, but they're spreading a false message. And Paul is strong and quick to warn the Corinthians of the danger of this. And Paul boasts in his credentials so that he can verify his own message, Jesus' gospel. Or Jesus's gospel. He admits he's honest and realistic. He admits he's not an impressive speaker. So there's hope for all of us, which is good. And he sees that actually Paul is a qualified apostle. He claims he's a Hebrew. He is true. He's a true Jew. He, honest, he admits, I'm an Israelite. I can trace my lineage back to God's people. I am one of God's people. I'm under the covenant, the new covenant. I'm a direct descendant of Abraham through what Jesus has done. He also doesn't mention explicitly, but I would have gone as quite a good trump card if I was fighting some false apostles. The Lord Jesus revealed himself in a vision to me and spoke to me personally would have been my trump card, but Paul, for some reason, doesn't think that that's his main boast. So he makes these boasts um, almost embarrassingly, um, but technically, if you're looking for somebody to be qualified as an apostle, Paul is your man. But actually, Paul says, that's not my main boast. As Steve so excellently preached last week, he can boast alone in the cross, in the truth of the power of the cross, the love that was shown at the cross when Jesus died and was crucified, is a love that allows us freedom, peace, and free and undeserved access before the God that created the whole universe. As Steve read last week, Galatians 6, 14 reads, "'Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ,' by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So this morning, I want to do something a little bit different. I want to look at the many emotions of Paul. So um, most of you will know or have seen our children because they're running around completely chaotically most weeks at church, but we've got four young children. And something that people don't tell you before you have children is the um, depths of emotion that they can make you feel. So you can go from... Just seeing something your child has done and being completely filled with joy and wonder and think they are the most incredible human that has ever walked the face of the planet and and you've helped create them to wanting to hide in a cupboard and just with a pack of biscuits and just eat them constantly in around half a second. It doesn't take very long. And if you're not riding a roller coaster of emotions, then they certainly will be. And so it's emotionally quite draining. Actually, I, thankfully, Paul's uh, emotions that I want to look like are not like a, t- a toddler's. I have got a few um, examples here that I came across that really made me giggle. So these are typical reasons for toddlers to have a tantrum, or the, the, the most unusual and the funniest. So, my daughter was upset with the wall today as it hurt her when she tried to bite it and had been told not to. It always surprises me how much anger there is in such little people. My friend's daughter once had a tantrum because the dog looked at her. My son was inconsolable when I explained I couldn't put his bottom on the front because he wanted to poo standing up. (laughs) My favorite was the cat wouldn't say hello back to my son when he said hello to the cat. It caused a good 10 minute tantrum. So, thankfully, the emotions I want to look at and the passions I want to look at of Paul today are not based on that of a toddler, but more based on the character of God that doesn't change and um, how we can learn from Paul to be more like Jesus. So, I want to look this morning at Paul's jealousy. The fact that in the passage you see Paul is jealous, Paul's anger, he shows anger in this passage, and his weakness, he is not afraid to be weak. So, firstly, Paul is jealous. Paul, he says early in the passage, is jealous for the church, just like God is jealous for His worldwide church. And Paul uses this beautiful metaphor here. Now, um, before we go any further, remember, obviously, this is a young church, um, fairly pagan uh, influences, um, a huge melting pot, the city itself. And Paul is comparing the church in Corinth as a pure virgin, a beautiful woman on her wedding day, that he is to present as a bride to the bridegroom which is christ so paul here is comparing himself as the father of the faith he is invested in this relationship he sees himself as a father figure to them and in the jewish culture it would have been the father that presented the um, bride as a pure virgin to the eligible suitor on the wedding day that would have been his role And now marriage, we know, is created by God. It's a beautiful union. It's a unique relationship between one man, one woman. It's a relationship that's exclusive. It's a relationship that's permanent in its nature, and it doesn't change. And on a wedding day, it's a father's joy to present his beautiful beautiful daughter that he really treasures to a good man. That's such a joy. And obviously, sadly, in this um, day and age, that isn't always the case. And I'm aware that for some people that will bring real sadness where that perhaps can't be the case or, or wasn't the case. But actually, that's the imagery that God uses or Paul uses to reflect the relationship that Jesus has with the church here. And in the same way, Paul's heart for the church in Corinth is to present this church to Jesus as a pure virgin, one that's not distilled by sin or worldly views or false teaching. He's got such a high regard for this church because it is his beautiful daughter, his treasured investment. And he's modeling the jealousy of God that he has towards us as his church. God, our God, I think Rob touched on it at I say a few weeks ago, it might be a couple of months ago now, is a jealous God. And in our society, we have negative connotations of jealousy. Jealousy is not always a good thing and often isn't, but in many cases, and in um, this case, is a good attribute. God, um, Paul speaks of a godly jealousy or divine jealousy. His jealousy mimics and represents God's jealousy. And God's jealousy is a positive thing. Um, God's jealousy, Paul. Uh, sorry, Wayne Grudem argues, is one that is seeking in this situation the welfare of the church, but most importantly, the honour of the name of Jesus. So Paul is, and God is deeply committed to this church and our church. And when Paul says he's jealous, it's not a selfish jealousy. And when God is jealous of us, it's not a selfish jealousy. It's wanting to protect the work that Christ has done in the hearts of the Corinthian church and is jealous for Christ's bride and for the name of Jesus to be glorified. So Paul doesn't want the church to be tainted with this false teaching because it's contrary to what is God's very best for them. So the wedding day here refers to Jesus coming again. We see in Ephesians 6 as well that it talks about um, when Jesus returns, one day he will come again to this earth and he will return. And it refers in Ephesians 6 to the church being presented to him as holy and without blemish to Christ the bridegroom. And that is the model of um, church relationship that we have nowadays as well. So when Paul was writing about the relationship with Jesus and the church, this precious unique, permanent relationship, it's as relevant as it was 2,000 years ago as it is today. And it is the answer, the perfect relationship and unblemished and holy relationship that we have as a church today is the answer to all of the false claims and the empty promises that the world will offer us or false teachers will offer us. These super apostles were offering false teaching and false claims and false promises and ultimately false hope that doesn't deliver anything. But Jesus and relationship with him is the very best for us. So let's not settle this morning for anything less than that, anything less than being presented to Jesus as a holy bride without blemish. We are to be people that are passionate about protecting the church of Christ, having such a high regard for it. In Revelation 21, John um, is uh, telling of um, when the, one of the seven angels came. I'm going to paraphrase it it's a long verse. He spoke to me saying, Come, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper clear as crystal. God has such a high view of the church this morning, and he's continually seeking to honour it and honour his own name. That's why we're called not to bow down to idols. That's why in the Old Testament, God is so strict about not bowing down to other gods and other idols. And back in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16, Paul declares, What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. So I just want to challenge you this morning, let's assess our hearts. Are you or am I, are we jealous for God's church in the same way? Are we passionate about seeing it grow? Passionate about um, staring each other on to be mature believers that grow and are able to reach our community with the amazing truth and message that Jesus has given us and and has transformed our own lives? That's what will happen. If our hearts are devoted to God's um, church, to um, building up the church, we will be committed to one another and it will outspill into our community as well. So, my second point, or Paul's second emotion, is that Paul gets angry. He uses strong language. He calls these these teachers false apostles, deceitful. talks about them disguising themselves. He compares them to Satan. Verse 15, he says, no wonder even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And he talks in the NS, um, uh, sorry, NIV, he uses the word masquerading, which I really found really helpful, just that really physical. They are deceiving people to try and be somebody else. Later on, he tells us that um, the Church in um, Corinth, they're being treated. They are being made slaves. And he's saying they're being devoured, taken advantage of, and people are pitting on airs, even striking them in the face. And we don't know if that's metaphorical or physical, but either way, the picture is that the church is being abused and taken advantage of. And Paul is angry because of that, and he has a right to be angry. Again, anger is not always the negative emotion that we associate it with. There is um, often anger is is painful and is wrong and is not a right response and we will look at what um, righteous anger isn't in your life groups this week because we haven't got time to unpack it today but righteous godly anger is right and it is godly and Paul's anger here is in Ephesians 4 verse 26 it doesn't tell us not to be angry it says be angry and do not sin it's the response that our righteous anger Um, Outworks whether we deal with that effectively and well in a godly way, or whether we deal with that in a sinful way. That is where the sin lies. It's not sinful to be angry when it's a righteous anger, and Jesus was angry. He was angry with the tax collectors when they were taking advantage of God's people in the temple. We see in Mark 3 that he is angry when the man with the withered hand comes into the synagogue. He heals him on the Sabbath. And the um, Pharisees are not happy. And he says, Jesus um, looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their hearts. So we should and can feel anger at things that grieve God's heart. When we hear of people being treated unjustly and unkindly. We should be angry with that situation. And it should stir us as God's people to move and to action. Chris and I were listening the other day to an interview online. And it was, uh, it was somebody he knew who was doing an interview of this lady who had started up an uh, orphanage in Kenya. She had moved out to Kenya, and she um, uh, did life there, and she met some mums just on, kind of essentially on the school gate. One of their children had um, gone missing, but it wasn't a very kind of stable family unit. She didn't think too much of it. And then a couple of months later, another child the same similar age went missing. And it left her to investigate, and she realised very quickly that there were traffickers in their village, and they were um, encouraging girls to go from their own free will. By Sorry, I'm really angry. When I'm angry, I cry. When I'm happy, I cry. When I'm angry, I cry. When I'm sad. So those traffickers were... Um, Uh, explaining to these children that they could give them stability to go their own free will. Basically, these girls knew that as soon as their period started, they couldn't afford sanitary towels and products. They would miss their week of school every month. They would get behind and be a burden on their parents. So they were willingly going to be abused, to be forced into marriage. And I was so cross, and that is right. We need to be angry with sin. God is a righteous God. He's a just God, and He gets angry with sin. So, verse three tells us the serpent is cunning. He can deceive us, and he will deceive us. We read in verse three that he deceived Eve. He deceived Eve and Adam in the garden. They were made a holy, imperfect relationship with God. They knew no sin. Don't go thinking that you're any better. So, he can and will deceive us. So, we need to be aware of the work of Satan. And we counteract that by having a really close relationship with Jesus, by knowing his word and knowing him so well that it's hard for us to be led astray by cunning plans of the serpent, of Satan. Paul doesn't mince his words. If someone's sharing a message that isn't the message of Jesus, he says, it's another Jesus. If it's not the message that Jesus died on the cross, that he and we have salvation in him and him alone through faith, then it isn't the message of Jesus. If it doesn't line up with God's word, it isn't God's word. He makes it very clear. It's another Jesus. It's a different gospel, a different spirit. God doesn't promise us wealth God doesn't promise us an easy life, as we said earlier. He doesn't promise that we won't have strife. But what God does promise, and what we know from his word, is that he promises us peace, he promises us an easy yoke, and he promises us strength to endure things. So let's be people that are careful about what we allow to input in our lives. Does what we hear, Don't just assume what you hear is truth. Does it line up with the word of God? Because if it doesn't, it isn't God's word. As a quick aside... I think it's really important here to note that actually Paul isn't angry because they're attacking his character. He does reply with his credentials, and he does reply with the fact that he's qualified as an apostle. But that is because these false teachers are bringing the gospel into disrepute. The claims that they are making are making a mockery of the truth of Jesus, and they're trying to add to something that is already perfect and complete, adding on top of the message that is truth and perfect. It's diluting the beauty of grace that we've been shown and the foundations that have been laid in the church in Corinth here. Paul is so clear how he feels about it in Galatians 1, verse 8. He says, Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Paul's decision to lay down his qualifications as eldership are done to prove his credibility, simply so that his message of that his message about Jesus is seen as authentic, seen as believable, it's seen as true and trustworthy. It's not about Paul here; it's about Jesus. He's so aware that this young church can be so easily influenced by the pagan influences around them and the false teaching that they come up against, and he wants to protect them and protect their integrity. And thirdly, and finally this morning, Paul is weak. I kind of feel like I don't need to do this bit because Anna and Andy brought some amazing prophetic words that really summed it up beautifully. But actually, there is probably the fact that so many of us need to hear it. Paul shows his weakness. Paul gives this huge, long list of physical sufferings that he's endured, doesn't he? He says that actually his main credentials, his main um, validation as an apostle is the suffering that he has faced for Christ. He talks about the physical things that he's endured, 39 lashes or 40 lashes less one, which is a Jewish um, punishment for blasphemy. People that um, did the punishment were not held liable if, if somebody died while they were doing it, as long as they had done less than 40. So it shows it's not a nice thing to endure. And he has endured that five times here, we read. He's beaten with rods. We know, that's a Roman punishment. We know what the Roman punishments were like, because they invented the crucifixion. Three times he was beaten with rods. He was stoned, which is the most common form of execution in the Bible. He was wrecks. He was attacked by bandits. He was emotionally and physically um, weak. He was emotionally weak as well. He would have been at the very end of himself when he was without food, when he was without sleep. Physically exhausted, he would have been emotionally low. He goes on to unpack the emotional toil directly as well. He says he's anxious for the churches. He faces daily the pressure and the concern for his churches, not just for this church, but for all the churches that he's helped plant. He's emotionally and spiritually invested in them. He loves them, and he carries that weight. I am going to ask for... Am I going to ask for a volunteer? I'm going to ask somebody to help me. If you don't volunteer, I will pick someone. I need someone young, physically Fit and strong. Mm, It would be far funnier to pick someone older, wouldn't it? Josiah, are you super duper strong? They are quite heavy. I'm just wondering. mm, Go on, you can try it. (laughs) Can you give them a clap? They are quite strong. They are quite heavy. Can you manage? Josiah, can you stand here? That would be fantastic. I would like you, I'm a bit worried I'm going to injure a fry child, to hold these out in front of you like that, for as long as you can, okay? I'm really sorry, Anna. Is that okay? Right, okay. But if it actually gets too heavy, you tell me. (laughs) Thanks. So Paul isn't a superhero, like we sometimes think he is when we read his letters and we can get detached from him. He is human, he suffers, he is weak, he suffers more than most. And yet Paul, oh, well done, give him a clap, it's fine. Thank you, Josiah. I will carry them for the rest of the purpose of the illustration. Um, He suffers more than most, but Paul says these are his greatest achievements. 4 verse 30 tells us, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. So, I'm not going to hold them. (laughs) He wants us to see his weakness and he goes on in um, Rob's passage next week to say, for Christ's sake, I will delight in my weakness, poor Rob, ours has a lot of crossover, (laughs) if you're feeling weak this morning, I felt that God would say don't despise that, don't despise if you're feeling weak. It's certainly true for me. I feel really weak, really tired at the moment, really emotionally drained very quickly. I feel like post-COVID, return to life is like normal busyness with a whole layer of kind of extra bureaucracy thrown on top because you have to sort of book everything and test everything. And it feels really hard and overwhelming. And so many people I've spoken to feel the same. I don't despise feeling weak. We are designed to be weak. Josiah was not built or designed to carry those weights all day long for an hour because that is not right. He wouldn't have managed it. Actually, we need to recognize our weakness. Um, And if we're not managing okay in our own strength, then that is right. And we need to acknowledge that. Believe it or not, we are designed to be limited and designed and created to be weak. Because in our weakness, Paul tells us, we are strong. We are strong through God and his strength. Anna brought that word earlier, didn't she? That um, God knows our frame. He gives us his Holy Spirit. We are weak, but because of that, we allow ourselves to trust in God's strength. If we do things in our own strength, we empty quickly. Our energy levels drop quickly. We're depleted spiritually. We're hungry. We're tired. We're exhausted. But when we allow ourselves to be weak, we allow ourselves to know our limits and humble ourselves before God. It allows us to be strong because God doesn't have limits. God isn't weak. We should be like Paul who boasts in our weakness because we have to rely on the strength of God. Paul was human. He was weak. We are human. We are weak. And we're designed that way and to have limits so that we trust on God's ever-present strength. It's important to know what our limits are and to have wisdom to know when we're empty or heading to empty and stop ourselves before we get there. We don't go on a cycle of doing more. The society will tell us, as Anna, I think, said, doing more, gaining more, having more, trying harder, owning more. We have to know our limits and be real with one another and be honest with each other. That's what God is calling us to. Part of God being God's bride is to be an authentic people that love him and trust in his strength. We're limited, but God is limitless. So just to sum up this morning, I'm going to ask Rob to come back up and the rest of the band. To sum up, let's not be a church that settles for anything less than the true gospel of grace. Let's not allow ourselves to adopt any false teaching or unhelpful thoughts that are contrary to the free gift of grace that's been given to us through the cross of Jesus. Let's be people that boast in our weakness, because when we're weak, it makes way for God's love and God's power to be displayed through the death and the resurrection of Jesus on the cross. Let's choose to be people that lay aside our pride that we can do things on our own or our own way. And, and and think that we can even add to the gospel by being more doing better trying harder as a church we've got the joy of being presented to God on the final days as a beautiful and perfect bride of Christ and we get to be united with him as his people forever and for all eternity I'm going to pray for us and then um, I will perhaps ask Rob if I can come back after because I've just got a couple of words that I think um Actually, no, I'll do it now. I'm going to pray. God, I thank you that through nothing of ourselves, we are called today as a beautiful bride of Christ, that you see us as perfect, that you see us as pure, that when we come in our weakness and our frailty, God, that we know that you fully equip us and give us all the strength that we need that you come to us gently by your Holy Spirit to guide us, to fill us afresh. We so love the work that you've been doing today, God. We thank you so much that you have been with us. We thank you just for your kindness towards us. God, help us to continue just to be open to you, to see those areas where we need to trust you more, to see those areas where you can work in our lives in a deeper way. Amen. So yeah, as Rob plays, um, the prayer team are going to be up here. And I felt that actually um, some people did need to respond to Anna's word. You just feel really weak. And actually what you need is more of the power of the Holy Spirit just to help you be, um, have strength through your, your weakness. Uh, for some people um, it's a pride thing you've been really really strong and and you've you've tried to do it all on your own strength and actually what god wants you to do is just be really brave and repent of that pride and just to come humbly before him and people aren't going to know if you're coming up for that they're not going to know what you're coming up for and the last one actually again is a difficult issue and it's on the anger of or having anger and actually, you know what righteous anger is, but you're just aware that you're struggling with anger and it isn't a righteous anger. It's, um, it's an unhelpful anger and it's having an impact on your relationships. So again, people are not going to come up or know why you're coming up. But if that's something that you um, would be able to feel really brave and pray about, then go, um, there is a prayer team here who would love to pray with you. I'm going to pass over to Rob. Thank you. Shall we stand?
1: Holy Spirit Jenny was preaching I just really felt God give me some words for some people this morning and they're just simple one-liners yoke breaker chain breaker way maker restorer counselor your firm foundation promise keeper life giver peacemaker life changer past restorer Future giver and strength giver. Those reflect to any of you. Why don't you come down the front and just receive some prayer and some input into that? The Holy Spirit is here.
0: Encourage you. If you feel there's something that you would like prayer for, please come forward. Don't hold back. Um, I just feel just a word that that someone's feeling that actually that you can't come forward because it's a sign of weakness. But kind of that's the point, isn't it? Actually, that if you come forward, you're saying I need help. I need God's help in this. So if you're feeling like actually you can't come forward because you feel like it's a sign of weakness, then then accept it. Thank God for that and. and and come and get prayer. Father God, I want to thank you that you are the one who clothes us with power. You are the one who makes us strong. We thank you you don't call us to be strong in ourselves. That's completely the wrong idea, Lord. We thank you by your grace. You're the one who brings strength. You're the one who brings joy. You're the one who brings hope. You're the one who breaks chains. We thank you that we are limited, and it makes us rely on you even more. So Father God, I do pray, Lord, you'd answer the prayers this morning of those who need help, who those who are aware that actually they're, they have to rely on you more. Father God, I pray, Lord, this week, as we, as we come to the end of our service today, I pray, God, this week we would press into you more and rely on your strength more. Remind us daily, Lord, of our need for you. Help us, Lord, to put aside our striving and our trying and our self-help and our pushing ourselves to do better. Help us to rely on you and put you first, Lord. I pray, Lord, for a fresh filling of your spirit on every one of us every day this week. May we know that to be true, that your strength, You make us strong when we are weak. Amen. Amen. I think, yeah, we'll come to an end of our meeting now. It's been wonderful to have this time together. Thank you, Jenny, for bringing that word to us. If you are a visitor, if it's your first, second, third time, you'll still feel like you're new, please come to the welcome zone in the corner. We're going to have tea and coffee now as well. Remind you tonight, it's simply worship. If you've never been before, come tonight. Come for the first time. And please, can you take off the tags off your chairs because it's really helpful. Bless you. Have a fantastic week, everyone.